Well, we're not going to cover as many verses as I intended. Two weeks and the stuff we're going to look at here tonight. In the past, split the rest of it up until. Through 3, verse 18, we're going to be in a condition where you are not from here. How, what is it that we're going to take a look at these? These as is fitting in the Lord. His wife to husband, not to submit to her own husband. Another wife, wife to. It's used of actions that are fitting. And then he puts in as is fitting in the Lord. Without skip through some of these, these things. What submission is carrying out the will and desires of another. Carrying out the will, you have someone else's will. But you get into that, you carry out the will, and as we told you before, there's a difference between submission and agreement. Colossians, I think it was 16 years ago. It's, it's not so new. It doesn't make it any easier, does it? If I agree with another, I do what I do because it suits me. If I submit to another, I do what I do because it's easy when we, well, it's easier when we work this into the God principle. All right, I do what, I, well, what God wills for me to do. I do what God desires. But that's not what he's teaching here. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands. And there are relationships that we have in this world. We don't always like that. And we do what we do because it suits them. The more we understand submission and authority, the more we ought to get excited when we have the opportunity to submit to a will that is not our own. The principles that we learn from the Word of God that if you cannot do, if you cannot, uh, I believe John, uh, John teaches it, if you cannot love one that you can see, how can you say that you love one you don't? Well, if you cannot submit to one that you can see, how can you... See? Now, we saw the example of Jesus in the garden. I put this in your outline. I do not have to be told to submit to what I already agree is right. He, uh, he stayed in that garden, stayed in that time of prayer until he got himself ready to go out there and do what he did not want to do. But God wanted him to do. Because it benefited us. And that's the drama. And uh, well guys, uh, I had a better idea, but we're going to go ahead and do this God's way. That's not submission. He came out and as far as we know, we never know what his will was. Today, what's one of the questions I'll ask when he get up there? What was, what was your plan? <laughs> what was your plan? He was, all they knew was, there was another will. I never found out what it was. Most of the time that we have a different will, everyone else knows what it is. But that's not how it's supposed to be. The higher one takes precedence. If you're submitted to God, and as a wife submitted to a husband, or in a work relationship submitted there, the higher authority always takes the, the higher authority. So if your boss, husband, not something that you think is the will of God, but something that you know is the will of God. Then, of course, you can stand up and say, I'm sorry, I can't do that. God tells me to do this. And we saw that constantly in the, in the Word of God with different people. Daniel had a submission to an authority, the king. But when the king told him, respectfully, but he bucked it. King, you tell me what you want to do, I'll, I'll go out there and do it, but I can't do this against my God. And he... He did that. The, uh, his, his three buddies, they're told to bow. No, we will. we're not going to bow. And they stood right up. That made the king mad. Of course, the king was not operating in the proper authority that he should have been doing. Now, when I acted in an unsubmissive manner, how many of us, <laughs> don't raise your hand, we've acted in an unsubmissive manner? <laughs> when I acted in an unsubmissive manner, I opened the door to one, rebellion. Not be rebellion at the moment. But I open a door for rebellion to come in. 
Be careful about that unsubmissive manner. We saw that very much with David and his son Absalom. That he did not agree with David's handling of the son who had the uh, relations with the, the sister. <clears throat> he didn't think that should be. and he, did, he didn't think he should get off with a slap on the list of wrist the way that he did. And he held that against him. And, and probably he was right. David should have done more than he did do. But that wasn't his role to, to do that. And so because he acted in an unsubmissive manner, he opened the door for rebellion and brought the entire nation into a place of rebellion. That's how far that one got. Didn't happen right away, but it did happen over time. It took some years, but it did happen. So when I acted in an unsubmissive manner, I opened the door to rebellion. Now, the enemy knows this, so he's looking for all the opportunities he can to get us into an unsubmitted manner. Because if I can get you to act, this is the enemy, if I can get you to act unsubmissively, uh, I can get the seeds of rebellion in you. Because you already think, I know better. I know better. I can change this up. And uh, that's, and maybe, maybe you might even know better. Maybe what you know is even better than, than what's going on, but, but you don't always know the whole, whole, uh, whole process. And, you know, I've, we've all had opportunities where we can, we can talk against people that, were, that are over us. And, um, you know, I, I think I've shared this story with you before, but best example I had of it was when I was over at Kelsner's. And we were supposed to sell stuff. And we were constantly running out of stuff to sell. It's not that we were so good at our job. It's just that the supply wasn't coming in. And I was, um, I remember the day. I can remember like it was, like it was yesterday. I could see myself in the truck. I'm in the truck loading up stuff with another salesman. We were the two main salesmen in the place. We were two main drivers. He had taken over the local stuff. I was doing the, uh, the, the longer distance stuff. And we were trying to divvy up. Uh, there was some product that we were short on. And we were trying to divvy it up between us. All right, well, how much do you absolutely need to get through this? And how much do I absolutely need? And we're trying to divvy this up, figure it out, you know, how much do you going to take? We're taking it all out. We're, everything that they had, we're taking it all out. And we're just trying to get ourselves through to another, another spot. Now, I had done some things to counteract this because there were certain customers that I could load up a little extra and stuff that we would run out some. And so if that happened, then I know, all right, well, I know I've, I've loaded them up with extra. They'll get by a week without me giving them another container or whatever it might be that we had to do. So we're talking, and then we just, I, I can't speak so much for him. I don't remember what he said. I remember what I said. <laughs> and I spoke very, very poorly about my boss about how he was constantly leaving us out. How are we supposed to sell stuff? if we don't? And if we don't have the stuff to sell, they will go to someone else to buy it. And if they go to someone else to buy it, they're not going to come back and buy it from us. They'll just get the other stuff that they, they have. So we're supposed to go out there and sell this, and now we can't because it's not here. There are a lot of times we were running out of even our main product. They were, you know, one time we, a number of times we run out of caps, or we would run out of um, covers or cups for the portion control packs. And so there's no portion controls made because we don't have one part of the thing that we need or we don't have some caps or we don't have some... Something is missing in the production process and so we don't have what we need. And it was a constant thing. And I was getting frustrated with it and I spoke out of that frustration and the Lord convicted me strong on it. I was wrong. Doesn't matter that the situation, the not having the product was right. I was wrong for doing it. And so I went into my boss. I apologized for the words that I said. Because I, 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 I mean, I didn't cuss them out or anything like that because I don't do that. But I still said, you know, I don't understand why this thing is going. I said, look, 
I said, I want to try and be a, a help for this. I said, how about if I take over the ordering process for you? And, um, I, you know, if you're having a hard time getting this order done, I'll, I, I'm more, you know, into this. <clears throat> I'll take over the ordering process for you. And he said, well, that would be great, except if you do that, you don't know the cash flow. You don't know how much cash flow we have. And if you overorder on product, we don't have cash flow. And then I can't do other things in there. So that makes total sense to me. I completely understand how that would be a problem. And I don't have the cash flow. And how about this? How about if I write up the order for you and I submit it to you and you call it in? He says, that'll work. That'll work. And so he worked towards, a, towards an answer on this. And so I began to write up the orders. And uh, I didn't try and overorder on stuff, but I tried to make sure we kept everything in, in line. And, and I was giving him the orders. I don't think it lasted more than three or four weeks. After a while, he says, you know what? You've got to handle this. Just call in the order. Just call in the order. And then after we did that, he uh, went over to the production manager. And he, said, produ- he told the production manager, you order the caps. You order the, 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 uh, the lids, all the different things. You order all the stuff that we need. I'm not going to do that anymore. You take it over. And he came over to me and says, Steve, if you would not have done that, he has never passed this off to me. I have, he, and he worked there longer than I did. And he's a good close friend of his. And he says, he has never let me take this over. He says, I don't know how you broke through that, but however you did, now I can do this and you can do this. And we never ran out of stuff after that. We always had the product that we needed to, to get it done. But it started by me doing something wrong. <laughs> and then I had to go and fix it. And I had to apologize. I don't like having to go to apologize. I learned that lesson real good. I made sure that my mouth was not speaking against any boss that I had, no matter how wrong it seemed like they were, because <laughs> I didn't want to have to go back and apologize. That was, uh, I still remember that time sitting in his office. I'm sorry, I should not have said these things about you. And um, I said, uh, he was a Christian. I, you know, I was a Christian, and, and uh, I just apologized to him, and he accepted that, and we went on as if nothing had ever happened. And he entrusted me with that, and we got it. Got it going, and when I finally left him, we, I handed it off to the guy I was in the truck talking about. <laughs> he, he's the one who took over that after that. And uh, as far as I know, he's still there doing that sort of stuff. Um, but but you, you, no matter how right it seems you are, it's not the way to go. You have to you have to stay out of that that kind of thing because we don't always have the full picture of things. You know that whole thing of cash flow never even dawned on me that that would be an issue. You know, we're ordering product. You're selling this product. We usually sell it pretty, pretty fast. And um, just never even thought that that would be a, that would be an issue. But we have to stay submitted. Understand, if we stay submitted, there are going to be a lot of things that happen that we're not in agreement with. We don't always know the whole picture. We don't always know the whole thing. It's what's going on there. Um, sometimes if we ask questions, we can find out what the whole picture is. And sometimes we're just not in a place to know it. We'll especially find that when we get involved in the prayer, prayer lives of other people. You know, how many of you have been involved in the prayer lives of other people? They got a need, and they let you know. Says, you know, I have an aunt, I have an uncle, I have a sister, I have a brother, I have somebody in the family. They're going through this thing. Will you uh, pray with me on this? And, and you pray with them on that. And the, the end result is not what you think it ought to be. And you want to get mad at God. God, why? I know I was in faith. I know they were in faith. I know the people in question were in faith. And we can get to a place where we are not submitted. God, I don't agree with that. I think that they should have been healed. I think that they should have, something should have happened. But you don't have the whole picture. I don't have the whole picture. I have to stay submitted to God. Understand that His Word works. 
I love what Brother Hagen taught us. Uh, he said he prayed all of his relatives out of death except one. And when he was in heaven one time talking with the Lord, he saw this uh, relative. I think it was a, uh, it was a woman. I, I can't remember the relationship that was, that was there that he had with her, but well, a family member anyway. And he did not uh, pray. She died. And she said this to him when, she, when he saw him up, up in heaven. She said, Kenneth, there was a reason. And then just left it at that. And uh, the Lord t- told him one time, oh, I'm not sure if it was this matter or another matter, uh, he says, uh, there, was a, there was a reason why that happened. And he says, I don't ever want you to visit that in your thought life again. And Brother Hagin said, and I never did. <laughs> but see, sometimes we're tempted to go back in our thought life and we just think about that. Why did God let that happen? I know why I was in faith. I know they were in faith. I know we had the word. Because there's sometimes some things going on that you just don't know. There's some uh, acts of disobedience. There's a desire that's not uh, maybe stated. Some people want to go home with the Lord, but they don't want to tell anybody about it. <laughs> they just don't tell you. You, don't, you just don't know. So just don't, don't visit those things. Don't get yourself worked up. Stay submitted to God. Things will happen in the realm of the natural and the realm of the spirit that you will not understand. I will not understand. And once they happen, you just move on. I'm submitted to God. I'm submitted to Him. He's, he's got a bigger picture on this thing than I do. And I just go back to that situation over in Kelsner's. Remember, nope, I'm not going to get in there. I'm not going to speak evil of, of my boss. He's, uh, he's my boss. He's got the better picture. I'm not going to go in that direction. So be got to be careful of rebellion. Here's another one that comes in. If I allow these things to happen, pride can come in. If I uh, operate in an unsubmissive manner, pride can begin to come in. And we all know what happens when pride comes in. Oh, pride is, is bad. You start getting proud and God resists you. God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So the enemy loves to get you in the area of pride because then God will resist you. Then God's not going to be able to pour out things on you. Because we think, well, my way is right and their way is wrong and, and I should have this and this shouldn't happen and so forth. And we've, we've lost that humility. All because we got into an unsubmissive manner. Here's another one. If we get into an unsubmissive place, we're looking at authority without submission will become dominance. Authority without submission will become dominance. When I act in an unsubmissive manner, I will come under an authority who also is not submitted. Understand that. If you operate in an unsubmitted manner, you will come under an authority who also is not submitted. It may not happen right away, but it will happen. You've got to stay on guard yourself. And that authority will, uh, will become a dominance over you. Uh, dissension will come in. Distrust will come in. Distrust of God, distrust of whatever authority is there. That distrust will come. Disorder will come in. The order will be lost. If we operate in an unsubmitted manner to God the Father, disorder will come into our life. Disorder will come into the relationships that we have around. Stay submitted. It is so important for us. Self-importance will walk into our life. And I become more important than I ought to be. Become more important than we ought to be. And uh, you'll see this a lot of times with, with folks. You know, when, when I go in and get my haircut, I usually 
my phone doesn't know that I'm in a haircut spot, so I usually have to turn it to an off position. And I'm not in there for real long. But a few times, I'm in there getting my hair cut or, um, or you know, some kind of an appointment somehow, and my phone's not off and it rings. And they always ask me, do you need to get that? And I always make sure I reply the same way. No, I'm not that important. Because <laughs> I know I'm not that important. No, it's, it'll wait till afterwards. It, sometimes we get a self-importance that, well, if I go, you know, what, what, if I leave this business, this place is falling apart. They need me. Oh, they need me. Yeah, I be, they better not lose me. They better Because <laughs> we get this self-importance thing going on. You know, we could be over there. When, when I'm over there with the, with the family doing... If, if I'm playing with my granddaughter, do not try and get me on the phone. Now, you won't know if I'm playing with a granddaughter or not. But if I'm playing with the granddaughter, that phone is dead to me. I don't care if it's a bunk bed call. I don't care what it is. If you've got somebody dying, they better be able to hang on for another 15 minutes. <laughs> Very seldom does anything like that ever, ever happen. But, um, you know, I don't like to tell her, I don't like to tell people at the dinner table that uh, my phone and the information I'm getting on it is more important than what I'm doing right there. And we got to, to, to stay with that because I'm just not that important. It's just, uh, you know, it'll, it'll wait. But we can get a self-importance. If we fall into an sum- unsubmitted role, we become very self-important. And everybody around us will fall apart if I'm not there. They, that will happen. That's how, that's how we see it. Now, I've never pastored this church as if I am that important. Because I believe that if you can't get a hold of me for 15 minutes, 30 minutes, an hour, a day, I believe your lives will be just fine. I believe that you know enough of the Word and you know how to take care of things and, and that you'll just get in there and, and start quoting what you need to quote and believing what you need to believe and saying what you need to say. No matter what the situation is. Because it's important that you realize the most... The, the Word of God tells us that if anyone is sick, let him pray. Now, there is a place also for calling for the elders of the church and so forth. But don't forget the important part. You need to pray. You, there is no one better praying for your situation than you. No one. No one's better. And you're the main one who needs to get there. You can have a hundred people praying in faith and you're not. And you'll negate everything that's done. You could also have a hundred people praying in unbelief and you're praying in faith. And you'll still get it done. The most important people to pray in your situation is you. That's the most important. Jesus didn't say because of the faith of the people around you. He always said, be it unto you according to your faith. And then we get the last one here. Self-proclaimed authority. Where we begin to, well, you know, they're no, they're no good. They're not doing things right. So we're just going to, this is the way that it should be done. And we just begin to proclaim our own authority. Absalom did that. Lucifer did that. He proclaimed his own authority. People came and lined up to get underneath of him. Amazed to me that, uh, that they would do that. And we see other people in the Word of God who did that as well. There are people under Moses. They got a self-proclaimed authority. They said, who is this Moses? <clears throat> well, they found out who he was. <laughs> He's the guy, guy, he was the guy that God uh, selected to lead that nation. And you decided you're going to put yourself up there in that place. What did God do? He just move you right on out of the way. <laughs> Send down fire, open up the earth, whatever it is we want to do, you're gone. So be careful about that, that submitted attitude.
don't get unsubmissive into you. You may look at that situation. You might be right for that situation, but it has just opened up the doors for bad stuff to happen down the road. You know, you learn. I learned the lessons that Kelsey, I have. I have constantly gone back to that. I don't know how many, how many uh, decades ago that was. That was a lot of long time ago. Back in the probably the early '90s or something like that 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 happened, and um, I have not forgotten it. And I'll keep on going back to that. No, I remember that one. I don't want to have to go through that again. And what would have happened if I hadn't repented? Repented. What were, where would it have gone then? I don't know. But you see, I could have gotten a self-importance thing there because uh, of this, all the salesmen that was there, I was a top salesman. I moved the most product. I brought in the most amount of dollars. I took a route that they told me was full and doubled it. And then after they gave me some more days, I doubled it again. Full route. I quadrupled the thing. And as far as I know, it kept growing after I left. You can get a, you can get a self-importance thing there. Well, they need me. No, I made sure that that thing was set up so that when I left, it continued to grow. And I told the guy coming in, this is how you grow it. This is what you do. And in fact, before, just as I, my last time, my last trip on that, I got him a huge account. The last time I went through, got him a, an account that they told me, do not go after that account because I knew I'd get it. Don't go after that account. And I, afterwards, they said, all right, if you want, we, we're, we can handle it now. Go after that account. I went after that account and I got it. And I handed it over to him. And it forever changed that route. He said, after we got that account, after we were doing the stuff with that, he said, I couldn't handle all the stuff in my truck that we were taking down there. He said, they actually had to load up another truck and bring it down to me to, uh, to accommodate all that that was going on. Glory to God. I hope they kept on growing. Because <laughs> none of us are that important that we can't be replaced. God will find a replacement. <laughs> Just keep on, just be glad you can keep doing what you're doing and that uh, you're helping God out. He says, I need you to be doing that sort of thing. God needs you to do it. You're helping him out. So be careful of unsubmission. You can come in, those things can come in and mess with you. They'll take, they'll take blessings out of, your, out of your life. When I submit myself to an unsubmitted authority, it will not be long until I am dominated. Kind of went over that before, but you've you got to make sure that whatever authority that you're under, that authority needs to be, a, be in a submitted place as well. We can't go around and we are the authority. That's just, uh, that's just not the way that it, it ought to be. If you get into that, submission becomes forced and expected and is no longer offered. And that's not submission. I put this. I think I left this one in your your outline. If I if I tempt my covering or in others to step outside of their covering, I bring myself under the curse of the one sinning. I gave you some example. I think I had to drop the examples out because I just had too much here. But here's one example: Israel and Balaam. Balaam gave counsel to Balak, and he told them because he couldn't curse them. So he says, "Do this: send the woman on out there and entice them into wrong relationships." And then bring them in, and then through those relationships, bring them into worship of your idols. When you do this, you're going to bring Israel under a curse. But when they did, when he did that, and it did work, and Israel did come under a curse for that, uh, but so did he. He came under the curse too, and he was killed because he had done these kind of things. Uh, Satan in the Garden of Eden. Satan came down. He knew that Adam and Eve were under a different covering, and so he tempted them 
to come out from under that covering. And when he did, he came under a curse as well. But he also brought brought uh, Adam and Eve under the curse that he was under. And then Jesus had to come down and redeem them from it. So be careful <coughs> with that. If you get somebody who is operating without a covering and you allow them to pull you into the place where they are, you will come under the same curse they're under and you'll lose the blessings that you had. Don't let them do it. Don't let them do it. It'll be, it'll be bad news. You can think of it, this yourself. I just gave you two examples, but you can think of a few other examples in the Word of God. I can think of a bunch of other ones. I'm sure that you all can too. And just times when people got pulled out of the covering that they were in and the curse that came upon them because of that. <clears throat> all right. Well, verse 19. He says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now, the husband here has not talked about submission. He's talking about love your wives. Now, generally, the command is given for the thing that's going to be the hardest. The hardest thing for the wife was going to be to submit to the husband. The hardest thing was for the husband was to be to love the wives. <laughs> and do not be bitter toward them. Now, we don't need a show of hands for any of the husbands that are here. But that has probably been a temptation for a few husbands. And that's why it's made it into the Word of God. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. The covering authority must love the ones covered. The husband is the covering authority in the home. If as a covering authority, you do not love those under the covering, you are in trouble. Because everything you do as a covering authority must revolve around the love that you have for them. We're not talking about, he doesn't say, husbands, be attracted to your wives. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, husbands, love your wives. One place we see husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's the example that we have. As Christ loved the church and gave his life for them. So we put this in your outline for you. As the one to whom others are submitted, my decisions must be made on behalf of the welfare of those in submission. As the covering authority... All decisions that you make must be for the welfare of those under the covering. Amen. If you make decisions that are beneficial to the one who is the covering, you are wrong. And you are not operating in according to pattern. So the husband must make decisions that benefit the wife and if the children are there, the children. That's how he has, has to operate. What's the wife supposed to do? Submit to the husband. Now see, if the husband is loving the wife the way that he should, he is making decisions that benefit all those involved. Now the husband, we talk about this, I, I get so irritated with Ramah sometimes because they talk to the, the um, husbands and wives in such a manner as if the wives cannot make a mistake. Bugs me to no end every time that they do it. Because I, what I've seen is a lot of Rhema pastors is the wife rises up and makes decisions that the husband is supposed to make and it's hurt the church and the church has, has faltered. But they keep feeding this and they keep doing this and bugs me to no end. I've talked to a few people about it. I said, you need to, something, something needs to stop on this. And I even gave them an example. I gave them an example of a church that just went to pieces because of what was going on with, with this kind of thing. Uh, wives are not, uh, they, they make mistakes. Wives make mistakes. 
Uh, wives make mistakes. One of the reasons is because they're women. Now, I'll clarify that in just a moment. A woman is built to make decisions more on emotion than on logic. A man is made to make decisions based on logic more so than emotion. A man can make decisions based on emotion, but more so he will make, make it based on logic. A woman can make decisions based on logic, but more so will tend to the emotion. It's not like one is exclusive to the other or, or so forth. In an emotional decision, not always is the decision based on the welfare of all those involved. Many times a woman will, will um, find the weakest, the, the, the one who's the weakest, and protect the weakest and make decisions based on how can we help. You know, if you have four kids and one of them is the, is the weak, you'll make decisions that benefit that one right there. Whereas the husband needs to step back and say, all right, well, this one is, yeah, all right, he's suffering, but look, we've also got three others. And we've got to help them out too. And so his role is to step back and remove the emotion from it and look at the whole thing. And sometimes that's hard for a wife to submit to because they're that, that bleeding heart. To, to go out for the one who's, who seems to be suffering over here. We don't want to see that suffering. I want to stop the suffering. Whereas the husband can stand back and say, he deserves to suffer. That's okay. <laughs> now he can do that a whole lot easier than the wife can. He's built that way. It's not the best way to make a decision, nor is the wife's way the best way to make a decision. What is the best way to make a decision is when you come together and you bring the logic and the emotion. And then you come in and you have a discussion about it. And the husband listens to the wife and the wife listens to the husband. And a decision is made. And whether it's the one that the wife wants to make or not, there's a submission that's there. And the husband doesn't make a decision that is based upon what benefits him. It makes a decision based on what benefits the whole. Now, how many of y'all know it's not quite always working that way? <laughs> but that's how it's supposed to work. That's what's supposed to go on. It doesn't always happen in that direction. But that's how it's supposed to go. Sometimes husbands get a little too uh, selfish in there. And we're not looking at the benefit of the whole. And we're, we're making logical decisions based upon what benefits me or a smaller number of the... And you can't do that. You have to make sure that you do it as Christ did. Christ makes decisions based on... What's benefiting the whole? Not just what benefits a, a couple of people. Now, you know, Christ has the advantage. He is able to make decisions based on emotion and logic. And uh, we're not able to because we're no longer in the image of Christ. We are in the image of Christ, male and female. Some parts of that image are in the female. Some parts of that image are in the male. And when they come in together, they can make those decisions based on those things. And it's a, it's a hard thing to, to accomplish. It's a hard thing to do. It's a thing that you have to constantly work at. But neither one is superior. This is just the way that God has, has set it up. Now, sometimes, you know, the, the man can turn off the emotions so much that it's, it's not pulling them at all. And men need to have emotion pull them some. The logic is going to pull them the, the more so, but they still need to have that emotion pull them some. Just like the, the woman Emotion may pull them a lot, but they can still tap into that logic and they can still uh, have that help them out. And of course, some women more so than others. There's some men that are more emotional than others. You always have the, the, the tip to balance. We're just talking in general, generalities here. But in the same way, we have this for a headship. Whether a head of a, or of a company is a man or a woman makes no difference. 
If a woman wants to take that role, she has to lay down the emotional part and make more decisions based on logic and what will, base, what will be beneficial for the whole. Now, in a corporate setting, I think a woman is better able to do that than in a home setting. Because you get into a home setting, that mom gene just kicks in. It just, it just kicks in and it's just hard to not be a mom in the home. You get into a corporate setting and you can probably stop being a mom. You're not trying to be a mom to everybody in there. And so that the same thing doesn't kick in as, as well as it does in, in the home. So women in leadership in, in corporations, there's, there's no problem with that. We're talking about the home. We're talking about husbands and wives in the home. And that's where you have to understand where this, this is coming from. And where you, are, where you all are built to, uh, to help this. Now, we're seeing a lot of attack coming against the family. We're trying to get homes with two moms and homes with two dads. And you're missing half of what you need. No matter what you got, you're missing half of what you need in that. Now, there are single mom homes, and I understand that. And, and God will come in and, and help supply what is lacking. But there's still stuff that's lacking. The better situation is that, that, that uh, you had the husband and wife in there. But, you know, sometimes... You know, they went off the war, husband uh, died, went off the war, the wife died, something like that, and uh, you have a single parent home. Regardless of how you got there, if it's a single parent home, it's not exactly what God desired uh, for that home to have. But glory to God, he's got a way for you to, to get on through it too. Just listen to him. But my decisions must be made on behalf of the welfare of those in submission. So whenever you are given headship, Male or female, don't make any difference. If you are given headship over a thing, your decisions must be what will benefit the whole. Not just what will benefit you. And you have all kinds of ways to, to do that. One of the places that, you, that everybody has a place to do, to do that is with your body. How many of y'all know you can make decisions that benefit a few parts of your body? And you can make decisions to benefit the whole. I'll give you an example. Here we are at Christmas time. You come home. We're working. We're out all day, whatever it was. And you come on home and there is a whole plate of cookies. Mm -hmm. Or you could pull out the ingredients and make a nutritious dinner and have that first. <laughs> now, which would benefit the whole body more? <laughs> the nutritious meal. <clears throat> That's what would benefit the whole body more. But what would benefit some parts of the body? Well, my brain would really enjoy some chocolate right now. And my tongue, yeah, it's calling out for some chocolate. Uh, <laughs> we want to have some of those things going on. Uh, the rest of the body is calling out maybe for some vegetation. <laughs> Stuff like that, you know. And... Uh, now, my my body doesn't call out for vegetation too much, but every once in a while it, it does. It does call out for avocados. I will have to say that. I bought a whole bag of avocados uh, when I was at the store the other day. My wife says, why did you pick up that? I says, I need them. Mm -hmm. they're, I mean, it's nice when something is good for you, helpful, and tastes doggone good. I mean, it's, I know some people don't like them, but... Mm, mm, mm. Of course, it also helps that I have fed on things that tell me it is a super running food. <laughs> probably helps out a whole lot for that. So I probably just makes it, man, this is really good stuff, even if it wouldn't be. But um, I don't know. Decisions to be based on a, on, a, on a whole. Wherever you are, you have places that you can make decisions based on 
on a whole instead of just a few. What are you doing with those? That'll tell you whether you're going to get promoted or not. Whether God can move you up in that kingdom. Because we tend to, no, we just need to go over here and protect this one over here. No, maybe that one doesn't need any protecting anymore. You've got to look at the whole. What's going on in the whole? Now, we had that over at Kelsner's. They, they had this one driver. I don't know why they kept him around. He hurt us. Hurt us. Hurt the company. I knew he was hurting the company. And they kept him around. And, you know, I was just thinking, why, I'm, I'm, why are you keeping this guy around? This is before I had that whole incident. <laughs> before, why are you keeping this guy around? He would go, he would travel farther than I. I was considered, you know, intermediate distance, overnight, just overnight and then back. He would go out for a whole week. He would be out on the road for an entire week selling stuff. He'd get down to Maryland. He'd get down to Delaware. He'd get down to uh, uh, probably whatever the state is behind, beyond that, Virginia. I think he'd get down to there. He'd go around the whole week and he'd come back. And in one week, he would not sell as much as I sold in a day. Now, granted, when I was in the summertime, I sold a lot of product in a day. A lot of product. It was hard for anybody to keep up with that in the, in the summer. But he would go the whole week. And he had a lot of short towns too. And he would, nothing would happen for, it's just, I just, we're financing him, is what I was looking at. We're financing him. The money from our routes is going to pay his salary because he's not earning his keep. You know, I, I asked him when I, when I got there, I says, how much does it cost to put me on the road? And when I first asked that question, I was just doing the, uh, the day routes. You know, you're out on the road for uh, eight, nine hours a day. Uh, how much does it cost? And they gave me a dollar amount for that. And then when I went overnight, I says, now, how much does it cost? Because now we have the overnight hotel. Uh, they were paying for some meals on the road. I said, how much does it cost now? And they gave me a dollar amount for that. I passed that dollar amount by 9, 10 o'clock in the morning. I passed that dollar. And I always kept that dollar amount in mind. So by 9, 10 o'clock in the morning, I had already paid for the route. The rest of it was profit. I paid for my salary. I paid for all the expenses. Paid for the gas. Paid for the truck. Did every, all the expenses that were required for that. I paid for by nine, nine ten o'clock in the morning. I worked until five, delivering, and then I worked on paperwork and stuff like that. But I worked until until then. So I I had that dollar figure there. So I knew what it cost for me. If I just used my figure, he never broke even, and his figure had to be higher than mine. He never broke even. I wonder why are you doing that. And well, you know, I asked him a few times, you know, why are you keeping this route going? And see, sometimes we can get lost in that. We're looking at, well, you know, what else is he going to do? He doesn't really have any other job he can go to. And well, that's certainly a consideration, but I mean, he's hurting you. And then he would do this too. He would, he would never write off a lunchtime. Never wrote off that he was out for lunch. But his receipts for his meals, <laughs> it was frustrating the secretary. She was showing them to me one time. She said, this is frustrating. She says, you always clock out for lunch. We always see you. You clock out for lunch. You come back in for lunch. I see your receipt for lunch. It always matches. And uh, he said, you always clock out for lunch. He doesn't ever clock out. And he has these, he eats these things like ribs. And he says, well, I, I keep driving. I don't, I don't stop. I keep driving. How are you eating ribs when you're driving in the truck? <laughs> that just doesn't happen. That's not going to, and he put these other things on there. So there's no way you can eat that and drive the truck. That's just the, they would, they would do that. But see, sometimes you can get lost in that. You can't, you can't be doing that. Decisions have to be made for what's going to benefit the whole. Others are not here for my benefit. The higher you get in leadership, the higher you get in the area of, of submission and authority, you better understand this. 
people are not here for your benefit. You're there for theirs. You're there to help them. Submission is based on the assumption that the covering authority has my best interest or the interest of the whole at heart. Now, submission with God, it's really easy for us to assume that He's got my best interest at heart, right? But He doesn't just have my best interest. He also has the interest of other people. But sometimes, if we don't understand this whole, whole thing with submission, and I'm praying, I'm asking God to do things that benefit me to the detriment of other people. And I'm not understanding the heart of my Father. I'm not understanding His role as the head of the church. I've got to understand there's other people in here to be considering too. Once the covering authority steps outside the scope of acting on behalf of the interests of the covered, in order to act for their own benefit, the law of love has been compromised. That is the love that God walks in. Opening the door to the same problems as unsubmission. The same problems of unsubmission will come in when, a, when an authority operates outside of love. Rebellion, all those things, they can come right on in because they have stepped outside of love. The higher you get in submission and authority, the higher you get into the area of authority and people are submitted to you, you had better have that love walk going because if you step outside that love walk, people get hurt. People get hurt. There's some movie I was watching. You guys probably remember what it was. But, uh, oh, I think it was um, uh, uh, Jack Nicholson. He's up on the stand. You can't handle the truth, that movie. Um, a few good men. Yeah, a few. Uh, and Jack Nicholson was up there testifying. He says, he says, if we have a bad day, people die or something along those kind of things. <laughs> if we make bad decisions, whatever it was, people die. <laughs> you have to understand that the, when you are in a place of authority, you make bad decisions, people get hurt. People get hurt. You've got to make sure that you, you help them out. Why are the problems the same? Because the cause is the same. Don't, op- don't operate outside of love. Husbands, love your wives. It's imperative. You've got to keep that at the forefront. If you step outside of loving your wives the way Christ loved the church, if you do, you won't be all operating the headship. If you're not operating the headship, she doesn't have anything to submit to. If that submission is off, now we got problems. Got to make sure. If you want to know how to love your wife, you want to know how to, and, that, and if you're in a, a, a leadership role, if you want to know how to love those that are underneath you, watch Christ. He is the one. How does He love the church? That's the example you got to have. In the Word, those in the most authority walked in the greatest love. I'll give you some examples. You can, you can certainly name a whole lot more than this. But Abraham, Moses, I think Moses is one of the best examples of this thing. I mean, the amount of love he had to walk in, holy cow. To pray like he prayed for people who were ready to kill you at the drop of a hat. Samuel, the love that Jesus had for those and his disciples and those that he was walking with. Paul. Oh, the love he had for the church. The beatings he took for the church. The things that he did for the benefit of the whole. He even said, you know, if I die right now, I'm better off. But if I stay here, you guys are better off. So I'll stay here. (laughs) Barnabas, oh, the love that he walked in. The help he gave. I took this quote from uh, uh, Bob Yangon. Submission is an attitude. Obedience is an act. 
Submission is an attitude. Obedience is an act. Rebellion is not a lack of obedience. Rebellion is an unsubmissive attitude in a person, even though he might obey. A couple of verses on this. They're not in your outline. You can write them down if you want. Isaiah 119. If you are willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. I got a note in that word willing that it's actually uh, a meaning of a, a word of submissive. And actually some translations have borne that out. If you are willing, submissive, and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Well, if you're, if you're willing, if you're submitted to the plan of God, if God says, I need you to do this, and you go out there and do it, even though you don't want to, but you come into a place of submission to it and are obedient to it, he says, you shall eat the good of the land. Philippians 2 and verse 8, <clears throat> And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Romans 10.3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. They have not submitted to the righteousness of God. There's a submission that goes on there. One more verse for you. Hebrews 5 and verse 8. Though he was a son, speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by things which he suffered. Now, I wrote this. It's not in your outline. There's no way I had room for it. This comes from um, Weast Word Studies. So if you have Weast Word Studies, you can look this up. It comes from Hebrews 5, verse 8. The omniscience God knew, was ob- the omniscience God knew what obedience was, but he never experienced it until he became incarnate in human flesh. So he knew what obedience was, but did not go through the experience of obedience until he became human flesh. Before his incarnation, he owed obedience to no one. There was no one greater than he to whom he could render obedience. That makes sense, doesn't it? Who's, who is Jesus going to be obedient to? He's God. But now, in incarnation, God the Son became obedient to God the Father. He learned experientially what obedience was. It was not that he had to learn to obey, for he said, I do always those things that please him. In John chapter 8, verse 29. Vincent says that he required the special discipline of a severe human experience as a training for his office as a high priest who could be touched with a feeling of human infirmities. He did not need to be disciplined out of any inclination to disobedience, but as Alfred puts it, the special course of submission by which he became perfected as our high priest was gone through in time and was a matter of acquirement and practice. This is no more strange than his growth in wisdom. Growth in experience was essentially part of his humanity. If you don't have access to Weiss Word Studies, I'll leave this up here on the, the screen. You can come up here and take a, take a look at it. But he learned obedience because until he became incarnate flesh, there was no one to obey. He was the authority. He was, the, he was it. But he came down here in flesh and he learned it. We have to learn that same obedience. <clears throat> We've uh, practiced disobedience. But we need to practice obedience. We need to practice obedience to the word. We need to practice obedience to the will of God. We need to know it. We're talking about wives and husbands here, but we're talking about the concepts of wives submit, husbands love. Whoever is in the place of the covering needs to love those under the covering and do the things that benefit the whole, not a few, and certainly not the leader. Those under the covering need to submit. 
Because if you don't submit, you open the door for all those other things to come in. How many people in the Word of God fell into rebellion, fell into disobedience, fell into distrust, who you would never have thought would have fallen into it? How did they get there? Because the seed was sown when they decided to not be submitted to the will that was over them. That seed was sown. Once that seed was sown, it began to grow. And these other things began to come out. So even though these two verses talk about husbands and wives, they have a lot of implication, and they talk about a lot of things that we all need to make sure we keep in, in play. Because even if we're not a husband or a wife, we still might be a head or one who is under a head. We need to operate underneath what those things say. Father, we thank you for the instruction and the help you give us in your word. That we are equipped and we are ready and we can stand against whatever comes against us from the enemy. Whatever headship you have put us under, I thank you, Father, that we can stay with it. Whatever situation we're in that we need to be submitted to, I thank you, Father, we can be. Help us, Father, to continue to grow, continue to develop. We want to become obedient, not only to your will, but also the will of those you have put us under. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.